This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. The MLB Pipeline Top 100 Prospect List is out, and we will spend most of this podcast breaking it down from from some different angles. Um, you guys had the show on MLB Network on Saturday night, unveiling it, um, and we'll get into the reactions you guys have gotten as well. We'll do it from a team perspective and players as well. But when you're doing a top 100 list, I think you got to start at the top of it, and that is number one. And number one on this list is Andrew Benintendi. But my question for you guys is, and this is something we've talked about a little bit, how tough was that decision to make it Andrew Benintendi, who's one over Yuan Moncada, who's two? Glaber Torres is number three. Jonathan, you can kick things off. You know, I think that there's not a whole lot separating the, the three of them. Maybe I'd put Benintendi and Moncada one and one A, and Torres is slight half a step behind, but very slight. Um, and to me, in the end, Benintendi was the, the best choice because just the, the the combination of the tools that he has, uh, the ceiling that he has, and the likelihood that he'll reach that ceiling. Jim? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, I think Mankata's ceiling is maybe a little bit higher than Benintendi's, but you feel better uh, about Benintendi's bat than you do about Mankata's. And I do think Mankata gets kind of unfairly dinged for his, his rough big league performance last year, but... I mean, we already. I mean, the fact that Benintendi walked into the big leagues and was good offensively and defensively from day one, and I mean, he's going to hit for average. He's going to hit for power. He, he could probably steal 20 bases a year. He could play center field if he was on a different team. I, I think he, he's got. Well, well, I do think Mankata probably has the highest ceiling. I do think Benintendi has the the highest floor and the the best combination of floor and ceiling of anybody in the top 100. So I think he's a, a very worthy choice. All right, so those are number, you know, your top three overall. Um, when you when you look at the list, Ben Benintendi's not going to be there for long, right? What does he need? Uh, less than a week's worth of at bats, right, before he uh, will have to move on, and then Yohan Mankata, you would assume, takes over that top spot. Correct. All right, how about risers? Because there's some real big ones in this. We don't always see the the huge leap from one year to the next, but there's a couple that I wanted to talk to you guys about who have really leapt up the chart. One who was already on the list and is now in the top five. That's Ahmed Rosario, Met shortstop, I believe number 79 a year ago in the top 100 when you guys unveiled it, and now he's number five. So a 74-spot leap for a guy who now has definitely, for pretty much everyone's opinion, right, the future of the uh, middle infielder as far as the Mets go. Go, Jonathan. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the Mets are on my list, so it uh, makes uh, makes sense. But... Um... Yeah, I mean, he, you, you know, as much as we love Glaber Torres, uh, and he's the, you know, the the top shortstop. Um, you, you know, Rosario's not that far behind him. Uh, Torres has more thump in his bat. Uh, probably have more power. Uh, they both can really hit. 
Uh, Rosario's a better defender, better runner. It's, it's funny to me because in some ways I think Rosario, even with the huge leap and the fact that he's in New York, is almost a little underrated as a prospect. You don't hear his name being mentioned as like elite level prospect. And he's always been ridiculously young for his level. And last year was the, the first year that he, uh, the numbers caught up with what his potential is going to be. And I think uh, he's just going to keep doing that. And, you know, he'll be ready for New York at some point this year. Uh, you know, whether he's just as an understudy uh, for a little while, but he'll be ready certainly to take over full time by 2018. Jim, jump in on that if you'd like. No, I mean, I think that's all fair. You know, it is kind of – I agree with Jonathan. Kind of One of the interesting aspects about it is how much hype Torres has gotten and how little comparative hype Ahmed Rosario has gotten. And Ahmed Rosario has played two months in AA and hit 340. And, had, you know, if you, you would think you – know, even people just – sometimes I think people get caught up too much in the numbers. But if you just looked at the numbers, Rosario had a better year than, than Torres did and got further along in the minor leagues, but you don't hear nearly as much about him at Rosario as you do about Glaber Torres. Pretty neat to think about maybe a couple of years from now in the city of New York with Torres with Torres in the Bronx and uh, Rosario in Queens for the Mets and Yankees as far as shortstops go. That would be pretty cool. All right, the other big leaper wasn't even on this list a year ago. Uh, Cody Bellinger, now number 13 overall, Dodgers first baseman. And, Jim, I know when you talk about Bellinger, you always bring up not just the bat and the power, but the fact that despite he's a fir- despite the fact that he's a first baseman, he's a tremendous defender. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty exciting cake and pretty exciting icing there, too. Uh, I think he's the best power-hitting prospect in the minors. I think he's going to hit for average, too. Uh, you, you look at how he made adjustments last year and really cut his strikeout rate. Um, it's just fun watching him swing the bat. And then, you know, as an added bonus, I mean, this guy is so much more athletic than the typical first baseman. He's close to an average runner. Uh, I've had guys tell me he's as good a defensive prospect they've seen at the position uh, in years. And I had another scout tell me that he thought of, of all the guys in the minor leagues that Cody Bellinger might be the best bet to win a gold glove, which is you don't hear that about first base too often or about a first a first baseman too often. That's how far ahead of the field he is. And even beyond that, I think he'll long-term be a first baseman, but I think he'd be at least an average corner outfielder. And he can be, you know, he can play a capable center field. I think it would be more of kind of a fill-in basis. I don't think you'd want him there 150 games a year, but he's capable of playing center field too. Jonathan and I both saw him play some center in the Arizona Fall. I, he, I just, I, I'm, I'm definitely on the Cody Bellinger bandwagon and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't. Well, I would say I think he'd definitely be on the short list of guys who could be the number one prospect in baseball when the guys ahead of him start to graduate. Uh, maybe when we do this in midseason. Although I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he finds a way to get some regular at bats with the Dodgers too. That'd be this interesting. Is borderline, this is borderline callous prospect crush territory. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I don't know if it's quite Dansby Swanson, Andrew Benintendi category, but uh, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Right. I, I do think. If Dan O'Dowd had been on the uh, on the desk with us for the Top 100 Prospects show this year, Jonathan, last year he accused me of having the prospect crush on on Benintendi. I think he would he would have been on me about how much I love Cody Bellinger. Yep, Jonathan, not quite as high on Bellinger as, as Jim. No, or, I love I love, love Cody too, Bellinger. Right? I just yeah. like giving Jim a hard time. <laughs> All right, so there's some big high risers. I mentioned the uh, the feedback on Twitter and obviously you guys always get plenty of comments and and I know you answered a lot of questions as well which is a great part of this when when uh, fans on there get out there and fire away questions to you guys you're real good about answering them back um, but 
uh, Jonathan, I think we got to start with a, a poll on Twitter. Is that right? You were the yes. were you the best dressed guy on MLB Network for the show. It's 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 huge. Well, it was a two person uh, it was a two person poll because uh, I really was leaving out Greg Amsinger and Bill Ripken. I think so. It was Kelly like yeah. Bill Ripken's tie. Yeah, Ripken's tie was very good. But you know, they're like they're you know professional. TV guys. That's all they do. So I kind of, you know, I, I leave Greg and Bill out of it. And so I, I put up a poll, uh, mostly because I was challenged to do so. And then I, I think Jim is maybe regretting that at this point, because uh, the early returns, I just put out the question and the first few people like Jim's suit better. And then he challenged me to put out a poll. So I did. And I won 55 to 45%. I mean, I wasn't, wasn't even close. I mean, that's like a clear mandate that I had the superior suit on. For the show. Clearly, election fraud and people voting more than once. That's all I have to say. Clearly, election fraud. Although I, I think it's the winner of the voting the water water. to claim that. So people registered with multiple <laughs> Twitter accounts. Is that what? We're That's right. About? And, oh, all right. Boy. I think we should move on from this in a hurry. All right. Sounds good. Um, how about <laughs> uh, other than what you guys were wearing? And I, I know you guys. You know, maybe a new suit for the show. I, I know you guys uh, dress well for the draft as well. But. Um, how about the overall feedback about the prospects? Did people like the list, not like the list? Uh, what was the biggest complaints maybe that you heard? Well, well I mean, you, you all, you, you're, I mean, Twitter, I mean, I won't say it's all negativity. I mean, you do have, it seems like the people who are negative scream the loudest. I had a guy this morning who sent me a seven-part tweet about, or I guess only six parts were, were related to how overrated Glaber Torres is. I mean, so you're going to hear people, you know, screaming on Twitter. But I, mean, I think for the most part it was well-received. I mean, and Jonathan, I think, I can't remember if you said this during the show or during some of the videos we, we cut for, for the website, but I, I rest easy knowing how hard we worked on this and how many people we talked to and how many of these guys we, we've, we've either seen or, or gotten multiple opinions on. Uh, you know, if I felt like we dashed this off and I wasn't comfortable with the list, I, I would feel bad. But, like, you can argue these guys. There's no right answer. There's no definitive answer. We won't know how good these guys really are for another 10 years down the road. And I feel like we lined them up pretty good. I mean, we did get a number of compliments as well. I mean, I, I think probably the, the angry – I mean, you're always going to hear from people – who, who, you know, if their team, you know, if a player on their team who could have made it didn't make it, uh, how could you leave that guy off the list? I, I do think the angriest fan base about the list probably is the Padres. Uh, you know, have replaced the Braves as our angriest fan base. Uh, as, as, they're so uh, laid back in San Diego. It's hard to believe. Well, they lost their football team, and now they're angry about the top 100. So I see. Uh, yeah, you know, I think overall it was largely positive, and I actually think – this year was the first time that I felt uh, more positive vibes than negative ones. But, uh, you know, and I've said this many, many times uh, that, you know, this is why we, we put this list together. We don't, we don't put it out there thinking it's the be all end all of like the perfect list. It's supposed to stir debate, you know, preferably civil debate. Uh, you know, I, I would rather not be called an idiot, you know, and worse. Um, but, uh, it happens, especially on the immediacy of Twitter or the, um, you know, the the comments section underneath Prospect Watch, where the rankings are, has become basically a, like a bulletin board. And I guess uh, if imitation is the greatest form of flattery, both Jim and I had to go onto those boards uh, to tell people that someone was imitating us. 
Yeah, that was the big, uh, maybe under the radar, big story on the internet right. this week was uh, fake Jim and fake Jonathan on the Pipeline podcast chat boards. Right, I'm just on the, like, on the, yeah, not, I've yet to have someone pretend to be me on Twitter. Um, I no, I know. I was like, I don't know if that's a higher form of, of, of flattery, but uh, yeah, so and people get riled up, but I, off, I also felt this year that there were, there were a good amount of people who not only you know, gave us the, hey, good list, really enjoy watching it, and, you know, and then would ask a, a question about why this guy was here, wasn't here, whatever, uh, but also some of like the sort of positive you know, thoughts shouting down people who were, who were being particularly mean to us. So I appreciated that. And I will say, too, just to clarify, that these things always do stir debate. But one thing, and I'll speak for Jonathan here, too, because I know he people do the same thing. We don't, we don't go crazy trying to throw stuff out there that's going to enrage people or inflame people. And I don't think either of us have ever subscribed to the school of thought, like, hey, here's a new guy. Let's jack him up the list 30 spots so we can claim we were higher on him before anybody else noticed him. I mean, we actually sit there, you know, and along with Mike Rosenbaum, who helped put the list together as well, we actually sit there and, and you know, vote, okay, this guy's 54, this guy's 55, and then we mash the, our list, to, our individual list together and then discuss them. So while it, it does create debate, we're, we're, not, we're not sitting there trying to just throw crazy stuff out there to make people react. And, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I feel pretty good about it. Again, I, I, and I, I can't remember what venue you said this on, Jonathan, but knowing how much work we put into the thing, you're never going to have anybody, everybody agree with it because, you know, quite frankly, you know, there's probably 20 or 25 guys who, who just missed, and we, we have a list of them who could have very easily been on there at 80 to 100 instead of the guys who made it. I mean, at that point, there, there's not a huge difference. It's kind of, you know, pick your preference there. Um, but, no, I, 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 I don't get too worked up about uh, people getting angry, although uh, I guess I will have to be careful if we travel to San Diego in the near future. So you you mentioned that the Padres replaced the Braves as the uh, or the Padres fan base replaces the Braves fan base as the most angry about the list and for good reason because suddenly look at the Braves seven players in the top 100 I think they were second as far as prospect points behind the Yankees who also had seven players on the list the White Sox were third with six players on the list um, so those seem to be the three teams that stand out. Obviously, they've all done a lot in the last year or two to add to the systems. Um, but as far as those Braves uh, that, that now you guys are suddenly making the fans happy, uh, Jonathan, what is it about that system now that um, – and I know that you guys were never hard on the Brave system, but, but fans like to take it that way. But what do you like the most about that Brave system now? I mean, we still heard from Braves fans about who thought there should be nine of them. Yeah, the no, I was so, going to say the same thing. I mean, there's people. Uh, not, I'm not, I'm not going to let them off the hook. And you know right. what? I'm glad that they uh, that they are passionate about the farm system. Uh, they realize the importance of it as, as they try to sort of uh, flip the switch and, and rebuild in, in Atlanta as they're moving into a new ballpark. But yeah, so <laughs> we definitely got a couple of like, how come Max Fried and Ronald Acuna and Austin Riley and you know, the list goes on and on. But I think that's you know, but that speaks to why we think so highly of the of the of the brave system it's not just the seven guys they have in the top 100 uh, which is plenty uh, but that there are you know a few others who very easily could move on to the list as the season progresses um i just actually had a question on twitter before before we started recording asking you know how many braves could we see on the list come mid-season and they figure 
you know, Dansby Swanson will graduate off uh, in a hurry. Uh, I think there's a good chance Ozzy Albies will graduate off by midseason. Uh, but they could easily add two, three more, uh, and that doesn't count whoever they might you know, pick up uh, in the draft, and they've got a high draft pick again. So uh, they could have more than the seven that they have now. Uh, it's a really, really deep system. Some of them are kind of far away, uh, especially all this pitching that they've accrued. Um, but if they all take a step forward, then they're going to be the, the clear-cut uh, cream of the crop. Uh, Jim, the Braves tied with the Yankees for seven, but the Yankees with the more points. And, and the way you do that is obviously uh, top spot gets, I think, 100, and then second gets 99 and 98, 97. Vice versa, you add them all up. The Yankees were higher there. So so they're guys that are in the top 100, ranking a little bit higher. And we've heard a lot about these guys in recent years. You guys already talked about Torres, but how about we've talked a lot about the hitters. How about the pitchers coming through in that Yankee system? <laughs> See, now you're setting it up so that Braves fans are going to be mad at me again. Um, but that's That was fine. my goal. What's that? That was what I was going for. That was for. your goal. Okay, well, good. You're going to be successful here. <laughs> On one hand, I mean, I, I, I totally agree the Braves have a very interesting collection of pitchers. They, they've gone out and they've tried to amass pitching depth through trades, through the draft, what have you. I mean, Colby Allard, Mike Soroka, Sean Newcomb, Ian Anderson are all in our top 100. Uh, Max Freed just missed. Joey Wentz and Kyle Muller got big money out of the draft last year. They just traded for Luis Gohara. Tuki Toussaint has impressive raw stuff. I mean, it's a really impressive group of pitchers. And this is what got me in trouble with Braves fans when I ranked them as the ninth best farm system last at the end of at the trade deadline, so right around August 1st last year, was that if you look at their pitchers, I feel like I've said this a million times, and I like their pitchers, but there's a lot of attrition with pitchers. In fact, Paul Snyder, who I believe still is connected with the Braves, told me years ago when I started at Baseball America probably 25 years ago, and I've had numerous people repeat this, but basically Paul's philosophy was you need 20 good pitching prospects to find two good pitchers because of the attrition. And as exciting as these Braves pitchers can be, if you look at their ceilings, you've got to look at their floors too, and they don't have none of the guys that we just mentioned – as you know, their best pitching prospects, eight or nine names I rattle off, have a clean bill of health, throw strikes, and a pitched above Class A. Now, you know, some of them have two out of three, but there there are question marks on all these guys too. Either the, you know, Colby Allard, who's their top-rated pitching prospect, was was highly regarded as any high school pitcher in the draft two years ago, and his stress reaction is back and missed most of his senior year, and he's not a big physical guy. So at least in the back of your mind, you have to worry. You know, you know, is this guy going to be able to hold up? You know, so far so good. Although they've also kept his innings, I think he only pitched about 87 innings last year. You know, Sean Newcomb, who they got in the Anderson Simmons trade, doesn't throw a lot of strikes. Mike Soroka, who's who's healthy and does throw strikes, hasn't pitched above a ball yet. And so, as much as I like the ceilings on these guys, I just would like to see more before I'm going to jump in that like every one of these guys is going to win a Cy Young award because it, it's not going to happen that way. And now Atlanta's mad at me again. I'm sure. I think they already tweeted. The fans are, are and already And Tim tweeted. asked you about the Yankees. You didn't have to do that. Yeah, that's true. It's clearly I did, showing, just clearly showing the bias. Yeah, you took it in a different direction. That's all right. Yeah. Um, all right, so the position breakdown here as far as the top 100, there's 42 pitchers, 32 of those are right-handers, 25 outfielders, 11 of those in the top 30, uh, six third basemen, 14 shortstops, which is actually down a little bit from a year ago, but still a really impressive list considering the great shortstops who have gone into the major leagues. Uh, four second basemen, four first basemen. Uh, so the positions that stand out to me, guys, shortstop, um, there's a lot of pitchers, but 
There's one article that, that mentions on Pipeline.com the fact that there's maybe a decline in the high-end pitching in the minors right now. Uh, Jonathan, is, is that a thing? Is there less of the guys that you think could be aces someday? I guess, I am, I guess you look at the numbers. I remember when, when uh, Jim and I were uh, doing the, you know, the, the show on the network, uh, at the very beginning they, they show the breakdown of the top 50. And to be honest, uh, I, I hadn't written the breakdown story yet, so I hadn't even looked that closely uh, at how, how the, the numbers played out. So I was a little surprised um, that the top 50 was 35 position players and 15 pitchers. Um, I'd have to go back and look, but I would be willing to bet that that's the 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 largest you know discrepancy of hitters to pitchers, um, you know that we've had. I think it's usually more pitcher heavy. That said, uh, you know at the very very top, is it that much different from from last year? I mean, you know, Julio Urias uh, has graduated off. You still have Alex Reyes and Tyler Glass now. And Lucas Giolito, maybe his star has faded a tiny bit, but he's still the very top of the list. Those are three hard-throwing front-line guys. Uh, you, you know, you've got uh, guys like Michael Kopech uh, sort of uh, moving up the list in a hurry. So I don't know if it's quite as extreme as maybe the, the uh, initial look at the numbers seem. Uh, that said, it is it, there's more of the back end of the top 100 that has more of the pitching. Yeah, you know, and I don't think I don't think it's an absence of high end arms. I think there's a couple things at play. I actually noticed this. I noticed our end of season list from 16 was short on pitchers at the top two. When I was doing a story on on guys who who might emerge as the the top 10 prospects at the end of the 2017 2017 season, and I think. I think one, there's an outstanding crop of young hitters, and I think when everything is is equal, or if you consider two prospects kind of of roughly the same caliber, I know my tendencies. I I will tend to give the nod to the hitter just because of that attrition I was talking about earlier. I also think the last year's draft was outstanding in terms of left-handed pitchers with guys like AJ Puck and Braxton Garrett and Jason Groom, who Jason Groom was the number one ranked prospect on our draft list. I, I think it could look different when some of these hitters graduate to the big league. I, I just think it's kind of a cyclical thing. And like John said, I mean, there's still plenty of outstanding pitchers, you know, near this list. They just aren't all up at the top of the list like they might have been in past years. I, I think it's more of a, a, a testament to the quality of position player talent that's out there right now than, than a, a great shortage of pitching. All right, let's talk about tools a little bit as far as this top 100 goes, and, and we'll do hitter position players and pitchers as well. Maybe I go through here alternating through the tools, and you guys can pick me, tell me who you think best for each, and you guys can alternate. Let's start with position players. Of this top 100 right now, who's got the best power, Jonathan? Well, it's got to be Cody Bellinger, right, Jim? I mean, I think no, no, uh, Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, I already said earlier in the podcast I thought he was the best power prospect. Yeah, so. well, I'm, I'm agreeing with that. you, which is rare. I appreciate that, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm here for you. Uh, I, I think it's not it's not the, you know, wow, raw power that maybe we saw from Joey Gallo. Um, and I think I said as much in one of our segments that, that we all recorded last week. Um, but he is a better bet just because the hit tool is so good to tap into the power. Uh, I mean, I saw him hit a ball. I don't know what the distance was on the Homer and the Fall Stars game, but he went a long way. Uh, and he just really backspins the ball extremely well, turns on pitches, but he has the ability to hit the ball out to all fields too. So, uh, you know, and it, it, we, we put a, 
I think a 65 grade on his power. I think he could reach that, especially because he's he's not you know fully physically matured yet. So I think uh, he's going to get to that power fairly easily. Jim, how about average? Who's the best hitter? Is not not power, but best overall hitter. I think it's got to be Andrew Benintendi. I mean, there's there's a number of interesting candidates. I mean, we're talking about a guy who statistically, you know, 313 is pro debut, 312 in the minors, 295 in the big leagues, hit better than that in the obviously small sample size in the division series. He just got such a a good left-handed swing. He, he sees pitches well. He manages the strike zone well. I mean, he's got power to go with it too. And and you know, we were talk, raving about him earlier. Obviously, he's our number one overall prospect on the list. I, I think he's the standout. Now he's gonna he's gonna graduate uh, you know pretty quickly, like you alluded to, Tim. And when he does. I think a year from now we're going to be talking. We might be talking about two guys from last year's draft, and Mickey Moniak and Nick Senzel, who were the top two picks, might be the top two hitters when we have this discussion a year from now. All right, fielding, Jonathan. You can't say Cody Bellinger. No, no, I'm not going to say Cody Bellinger. Although Jim has already lauded his his defense at first. I I think it depends on what uh, what direction you want to to go with, Um, but we'll stay. Uh, if we want to say it's going to be an up-the-middle guy, uh, and we'll go with uh, Manuel Margot. You know, with the Padres, I think people saw him play defense in the Futures game, and he does that kind of thing all of the time. Plus, uh, he, he's got uh, a good arm. Uh, he's got really good speed, good good jumps and reads uh, out in, in center field. Um, and he's a good all-around player to boot. But if we're just talking pure uh, fielding, uh, then I pr- probably would uh, give give Margot a slight edge over a couple of other candidates. So if Margot has a good arm, Jim, who has the best arm? Well, I think that one's pretty easy. I think it's Matt Chapman who who just snuck onto the list, and you know Chapman's a guy who who's always been noted for his strong arm. Never pitched at Cal State Fullerton, but Team USA put him on the mound kind of for two innings one summer, and he threw 98 miles an hour. So I mean, he has an absolute cannon. Uh, it, it, it's it's you know if you're looking around the diamond you know catching wise it, it might be Jorge Alfaro uh, you know outfield wise it might be Alex Verdugo of the Dodgers but Chapman you know it's funny I mean he's never really pitched a lot I was talking to this about this at the rookie crew development program but uh, he he has a cannon and he's also you know, he'd be on that short list of best defensive prospects too I mean he's he's not just an arm at third I mean he's got good range good hands he he's another potential Gold Glover. There's a lot of good speed near the top of this top 100 list. I'm not sure where you weigh in, Jonathan, on who has who is the fastest player overall. Uh, I think it's got to be Jorge Mateo. Uh, just in terms of pure speed, I don't think there's much question uh, about that. You know, he's an 80 uh, on, on the on the scale, 20 to 80 scouting scale. Uh, he can flat out steal bases. Uh, you know, he had some issues. Uh, from a disciplinary standpoint, uh, last year complained about not being promoted, got suspended. He missed the Futures game as a result, but that didn't slow him down any. Um, he he is incredibly fast. I think the only question is what position he ends up playing. Uh, he was a shortstop. He was the one that moved to second uh, when the Yankees got Gleyber Torres. Tells us something about Gleyber Torres. I could see Mateo ending up. Uh, you know, out in the outfield because of that speed. So, uh, you know, uh, but I think he is uh, clearly the the guy with the most pure speed on, on the list. All right, switching over to the pitchers, and Jim, you can go first here. Who's got the best fastball? 
I think that would be Michael Kopech with the White Sox, who who is part of the Chris Sale trade, and and I'm not basing that on the the reported 105 miles an hour that he may or may not have hit last summer when he was pitching the minors, and the there's this kind of goofy video of him taking like a, a crow hop off the mound and throwing 110 into a net. Uh, recently, that video has made made its way around the internet, but hey, gimmicks aside, like you could see this guy. You know, I saw him repeatedly in the Arizona Fall League sit at 98 miles an hour with a fastball. He's a legitimate triple-digit fastball. It's got late life on it too, which which makes it tougher. And, you know, once this guy. Well, once Kopech gets a little bit better in terms of polish and adds some control and command, he's going to move very, very quickly through the White Sox organization. Jonathan, who's got the best curve? There's, I mean, there's some good breaking balls. I think it's still Lucas Giolito. Uh, you know, again, I, I sort of hinted that people said that his star has faded a little bit. I, like, I don't think it has so much. I think he's going to get back to who he was. And even in the minors, this last year he, he pitched well. And up in the big leagues, he struggled. Uh, we don't need to get into why. But he still has uh, an unbelievable, you know, the true overhand 12 to 6 curveball. Uh, when, he, when he's throwing it right, it's, it's unhittable, even if, you, even if you know it's coming. All right, slider back to you, Jim. Um, I'm gonna go with Josh Hader uh, of the Brewers. I, I just think you know, he, he just destroys left-handers. He, he's a left-handed pitcher, obviously, and he throws it from a low slot and he throws it hard and sweeps across the plate and he lines up on the first base side of the rubber. I think if you're a left-handed hitter watching that slider, uh, I think it, it just seems like it comes out of nowhere and then darts across the plate. And it's good against right-handers too. I mean, he, he could backfoot it against right-handers. Uh, as well. I just think that the, the quality of the pitch and the angle he delivers it from make it very, very difficult to pick up. Back to Jonathan. We're almost to the end here. Uh, change up, Jonathan. Yeah, that's going to be Luke Weaver of the, of the Cardinals. And there were a few really good change-ups. Uh, I think it him or Jose De Leon now with the Rays. Uh, friend, friend of the podcast, Jose De Leon. <laughs> and, uh, but Weaver's change-up is so nasty, and he really believes in it. Uh, it is his go-to pitch. It's his out pitch, uh, especially because his breaking ball is is fringy at best, uh, and that's you know, the one thing that I think he needs to to refine a little bit uh, to have sustained success at the at the big league level. Uh, but just the fastball, which he can get up to you know 94, 95, even touch a 96, uh, and the changeup combined should make him effective, even if he's like a a back end starter. And if you look. I mean, you know, the Cardinals have had guys like that. I mean, Michael Waka is kind of a two-pitch guy, and he had some success as well. I think Weaver could could do so as well, especially because that changeup is so, so good. And then finally, Jim, which of the pitchers on this list has the best control? I think you have Mitch Keller is the guy I'd go with. Uh, you know, he'd won the, he, I think he had the sixth-best strikeout-to-walk ratio in the minors last year, and it's not just throwing strikes. I mean, he misses bats too. Uh, you know, good fastball, curveball's chance to be a plus pitch. You know, I, I think he's really narrowed the gap. I mean, Tyler Glasnow has been the best pitching prospect in that Pirate system for a while, but uh, Mitch Keller is pretty close to him, and I think there's some people who might even take Mitch Keller. It'd be an interesting conversation because Glasnow has more pure stuff, but but lacks Keller's polish despite being more experienced. All right, great stuff. Hey, this has been a good breakdown of that top 100 list, and I'm sure the conversations will continue on MLBPipeline.com. And stay tuned in there because. Up next, the big unveil will be the top 30 list for every team around the league. So 
90 more or 900 more players coming up on MLBpipeline.com, ranked 30 to number one in each organization. For Jim Callison, Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in to the Pipeline Podcast. Mm-hmm.